After reciting the Tashahud Ta'uz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalif the Masih the Fifth, Ayyadullah Ta'ala ibn Salaziz stated, Accounts in the life of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu were being narrated. In relation to the second pledge at Aqaba, it is written that on the occasion of the second pledge of allegiance at Aqaba, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, Hazrat Ali, and the paternal uncle of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa Hazrat Abbas radiallahu anhu, were with the Holy Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Hazrat Abbas, who was the organizer of this meeting, appointed Hazrat Ali radiallahu anhu as a guard in one mountain pass and he appointed Hazrat Abu Bakr to guard and protect another mountain pass. Similarly, when the Holy Prophet ﷺ migrated to Medina, it is stated that the Hazrat Abu Bakr accompanied him. It is written that the oppression of the disbelievers of Makkah upon the Muslims living there was intensifying. During those days, the Holy Prophet ﷺ saw a dream in which two Muslims were shown the place where he was to migrate. That place was a barren land surrounded by date palms. However, its name was neither shown nor mentioned. Nevertheless, seeing its geographic location, the Holy Prophet ﷺ personally drew an inference and said it would be towards Hajar or Yamama. This is mentioned in a narration of Sayyid Bukhari in which the Holy Prophet ﷺ said, فَذَهَبَ وَهَلِي إِلَىٰ أَنَّهَا الْيَمَامَةُ أَوْ حَجَرُ فَإِذَا هِيَ الْمَدِينَةُ يَثْرِبُ Meaning, I thought this place to be either Hajar or Yamama. However, it turned out to be the city of Yathrib, i.e. Medina. Yamama is a well-known city in Yemen, and various townships by the name of Hajar can be found in Arabia. A city as well as an area of Bahrain is called Hajar. Nevertheless, 
Only a short while later, the circumstances changed for the better. And fortunate people from the Ansar of Medina started accepting Islam. Subsequently, the Holy Prophet was informed by way of divine revelation that it was the land of Yathrib, which later became known as Medina. In relation to this inference of the Holy Prophet the promised Messiah said, The words of this hadith, which are, فَذَهَبَ وَهَلِي إِلَىٰ أَنَّهَ الْيَمَامَةُ أَوْ حَجَرِ فَإِذَا هِيَ الْمَدِينَةُ يَثْرِبْ clearly demonstrate that the inference the Holy Prophet made regarding the location and place of this prophecy was incorrect. Hence, the Holy Prophet permitted and guided the oppressed companions and Muslims living in Mecca to migrate towards Medina. Hence, the Muslims of Mecca started migrating to Medina. On the other hand, the migration increased following the second pledge at Aqaba, and entire households and areas were left empty. These circumstances enraged the barbaric chiefs of Mecca even further, and they started boiling with anger. Upon this, they took another step and prevented these oppressed individuals from migrating, and new methods of oppression were adopted. At times, they let the husband migrate, but would take away his wife and children from him. At times, they would demand the belongings and wealth of the person be given to them, on the basis that they earned it in their city. And so, if they wished to leave, they must hand over their entire wealth. At times, they would stop them by urging them to go visit their mother before they depart. But then along the route, they would tie them up with ropes and lock them in a room. However, the devoted party of believers, who were saturated with the wealth of faith and were intoxicated in their love for Islam, continued to undertake the migration towards Medina. Nearly all those who were able to make the migration from Mecca had done so. Only those Muslims who were very weak and powerless remained behind. Regarding whom it is mentioned in the Holy Quran, Illal mustadafina min al rijali wan nisa wal wildani. Accept such weak ones among men, women and children as are incapable of adopting any plan or of finding any way. Aside from them, the Holy Prophet himself was still in Makkah awaiting divine permission and Hazrat Ali was also in Makkah. Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq anhu, went to seek permission to migrate, but he was told, Wait, for I am hopeful that I too shall be granted permission. Or according to another narration, the Holy Prophet stated, Do not rush, for Allah the Almighty may well arrange for someone to accompany you. Thereupon, Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu, said, O Messenger of Allah, 
May my parents be sacrificed for your sake. Will you also be granted permission to migrate? It was as though the sorrow of separation from the Holy Prophet due to the migration had disappeared. Hearing this glad tiding, Hazrat Abu Bakr returned joyfully and abandoned the idea of migrating. Nevertheless, he very wisely purchased two camels which were fed a special diet in order to prepare them for the unpredictable journey of the migration. Whilst mentioning these details, Hazrat Muslim Aud states, The companions of the Holy Prophet had begun preparations to migrate. One family after the other would begin to disappear from Makkah. Now even those who were awaiting the sovereignty of God Almighty became even more bold. And at times, the houses of an entire street of Makkah would be locked at night. And come the morning, when the people of the city would find it to be very quiet, upon inquiry, they would learn that all the residents of the street had migrated to Medina. This deep impact of Islam, which had been growing from within Makkah, had left the Meccans astonished. Eventually, Makkah had been vacated by the Muslims, and aside from a few slaves, only the Holy Prophet Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Ali had remained in Makkah. He then states, The idolaters of Makkah naturally harboured greater malice and enmity for the Holy Prophet than anyone else, because they witnessed with their own eyes that as a result of his teachings, opposition to idol worship was continuing to spread. They believed that if they assassinated him, the rest of his community would automatically fall apart. For this reason, they would persecute the Holy Prophet more than anyone else and hoped that one way or another he would desist from his claims. In spite of all these difficulties, the Holy Prophet instructed his companions to migrate but continued to suffer these trials and difficulties himself and did not migrate from Makkah as he had not yet received permission from Allah the Almighty to do so. Hence, when Hazrat Abu Bakr asked if he should undertake the migration, the Holy Prophet replied, Ala ruslika fa'inni arju an meaning, wait, for I hope that I too shall be granted permission. The disbelievers of Makkah convened in Darul Nadwa to secretly plot against the Holy Prophet Regarding this, it is recorded, the chieftains of Makkah were enraged and agitated that the Muslims were slipping out of their hands to safety. For this reason, they gathered in Darul Nadwa, Allama ibn Ishaq writes, When the Quraysh observed that a group of supporters had joined the Holy Prophet who were neither from the Muslims of Makkah nor did they belong to their region and that other companions of the Holy Prophet were migrating towards those people, the Quraysh realized that the Muslims had found safety with them and that they, i.e. the people of Medina, had given them refuge. They became concerned that the Holy Prophet would migrate to them and that they would gather together against them for war. Therefore, they convened in Darul Nadwa to deliberate upon the matter. This was the house of Qusay bin Kilab that was reserved for when the Quraysh needed to deliberate upon a decision. 
Whenever they felt danger from the Holy Prophet they would gather in this place for consultation. In another narration, it is related that Hazrat Abdullah bin Abbas said, When the Quraysh decided to gather, they pledged that they would convene in Darul Nadwa and consult each other about the Holy Prophet The day which they had pledged to convene is known as Yawm al-Zahma. Iblis manifested before them in the appearance of an old man. What is meant by this is that a man came before them who possessed the attributes of Iblis. He was wrapped in a cloak and was standing at the door of Darul Nadwa. The people did not recognize him. When they saw this old man standing at the door, they asked, Who is this old man? He replied, I am an old man from among the people of Najd, and I have heard what you people have pledged to do. I have come to you to hear what you have to say. Perhaps you will find a useful suggestion or something of benefit. This is what he said regarding himself. The people agreed and allowed him to enter. He entered along with all the others. Attending was a large party of chieftains of the Quraysh, including prominent names like Utbah bin Rabia, Shaiba bin Rabia, Abu Sufyan bin Harb, Tema bin Adi, and others like Abu Jahl bin Hisham, the two sons of Hajjaj, and many others. There were also some chieftains who were not from among the Quraysh. When everyone had gathered and it came time to present suggestions, one person suggested that he, i.e. Muhammad wasallam, should be imprisoned and locked up behind iron bars. Then they would wait for his death, just as they did with two poets, the likes of Zuhair and Nabugha, and other poets that have passed. In other words, wait for his demise, just as they did with two poets, Zuhair and Nabugha, before him. This was planned for the Holy Prophet as well, i.e. to wait for his demise as was done before to others. Upon hearing this suggestion, the old man from Najd said, No, I swear by Allah, according to me, this suggestion is not appropriate. By Allah, if you people imprison him, this news will reach his companions even from behind closed doors. Then it is likely that they will launch a sudden assault on you and free him from your custody. Following that, they will increase their numbers with his help and defeat you. Thus you must think of another strategy. Upon this, another person suggested, we should excommunicate him and exile him from our city, after which we will not associate with him and will not be concerned about where he goes. When he leaves us and we rid ourselves of him, then our circumstances will improve and we will be able to live in the same condition as we once did. Upon this, the old man from Najd remarked, No, I swear by Allah that this suggestion is not appropriate. Do you not see how great his message and how pleasant his speech is? 
He is able to win the hearts of the people with what he has brought. I swear by Allah that if you adopt this strategy, you will not live in peace, because he will go unto another Arab tribe and win their hearts with his words. They will become his followers and join forces with him against you. They will then advance towards you, disgrace you in your own city, seize control of your matters from your own hands and treat you however they like. Thus you must think of another strategy. Upon this Abu Jahl said, My suggestion is that a young and strong individual of status and lineage from each tribe should be chosen. Each of them should be handed a sharp sword. They all should go to him, i.e. to Muhammad and attack him as one force, ultimately killing him. Thereby we will be finally free from him. By killing him in this manner, his blood would be on all the tribes, and the tribe of Banu Abdul Manaf would not be able to combat against all the tribes for retribution. Accordingly, they will settle for blood money and we will pay them the amount due. Upon this, the old man from Najd said, If there is a viable suggestion, then it is the suggestion of this man. All the other suggestions are futile. Thus, everyone agreed with this suggestion. On the other hand, Allah the Almighty informed the Holy Prophet about all of this, as Allah states, And remember the time when the disbelievers plotted against thee that they may imprison thee or kill thee or expel thee. And they planned and Allah also planned and Allah is the best of planners. Along with this, Angel Gabriel informed the Holy Prophet of this permission to migrate. The Promised Messiah states, When the disbelievers of Makkah intended to murder the Holy Prophet Allah the Almighty informed his virtuous prophet of their evil plot and instructed him to migrate from Makkah to Medina. At the same time, he also gave him the glad tidings of his return following his future victory with divine help. It was in the afternoon on a Wednesday, during the days of severe heat, when this trial was uncovered and revealed by Allah. Upon receiving permission to migrate, the Holy Prophet ﷺ, taking all the necessary precautions, went to Hazrat Abu Bakr's house at midday, when most of the residents of Makkah would remain in their homes and not go to meet one another. The Holy Prophet ﷺ took further precaution by keeping his head, face, etc. covered owing to the intense heat. When the Holy Prophet ﷺ reached near Hazrat Abu Bakr's house, someone informed Hazrat Abu Bakr. According to the narration of Tabrani and Fathul Bari, it was Hazrat Asma who informed him that it appeared as if the Holy Prophet was approaching. Hazrat Abu Bakr stated, May my mother and father be sacrificed for your sake. By God, there must be a particular reason as to why the Holy Prophet is coming at this hour of the day. Thereafter, Hazrat Abu Bakr, in a state of anxiousness, hurried outside in a manner of utmost devotion. When the Holy Prophet entered inside the house, Hazrat Aisha and Hazrat Asma were present inside the room. The Holy Prophet stated to Hazrat Abu Bakr that he should send out 
whoever was with him. Upon this, Hazrat Abu Bakr submitted, O Messenger of Allah, only my two daughters are here at this time and no one else. And according to another narration, Hazrat Abu Bakr submitted, O Messenger of Allah, only the members of your household are present in the house and no one else. Upon this, the Holy Prophet stated, Abu Bakr, I have been granted permission for migration. Hazrat Abu Bakr immediately submitted, O Messenger of Allah, will I be able to accompany you? The Holy Prophet stated, Yes. This is a narration from Bukhari. Upon hearing this, Hazrat Abu Bakr began to cry out of happiness. Hazrat Aisha anha relates that this was the first time she realized that someone can cry out of happiness as well. Subsequently, the entire plan and arrangements for the migration were formulated. Hazrat Abu Bakr submitted, O Messenger of Allah, I had purchased two camels for this very purpose. Take one of them. The Holy Prophet replied, I will purchase it for a price. Upon the Holy Prophet's insistence of paying for the camel, Hazrat Abu Bakr was left with no option but to accept. He had bought the two camels for 800 dirhams, and so the Holy Prophet bought one of them for 400 dirhams. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet bought the camel for 800 dirhams. It was then settled that the first stop would be Cave Thor, where they would spend three days. It was also decided that a person would accompany them who was an expert in all the known and unknown routes of the desert around Makkah. For this, they spoke to Abdullah bin Uraikid, who, although was an idolater, he was a noble and trustworthy person whom they could rely on. Biographers state that he did not accept Islam, but according to one narration, he accepted Islam later on. Nevertheless, three camels were given to him and he was told to come to Cave Thor in the morning after exactly three days. Hazrat Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, who was an intelligent young man, was assigned the duty that he would go around the various gatherings in Makkah each day and assess the situation. He would then go to Cave Thor in the evening and give the reports. Hazrat Abu Bakr had a wise and responsible slave named Amir bin Fuhera. He was assigned the task that he would graze his goats around Cave Thor and in the evening he would milk the goats and provide them with milk. Then after designating the time for leaving Mecca, the Holy Prophet quickly left from Hazrat Abu Bakr's house and returned home. After returning home, he informed Hazrat Ali of his plan to migrate and assigned him a precarious task in that he was to sleep in the Holy Prophet's bed with his green, or according to another narration, red mantle, which the Holy Prophet used whilst sleeping. He assured this devoted servant the glad tidings of support from Allah by saying, Do not worry, sleep in my bed with complete contentment. The enemy will not be able to harm you in the slightest. The Holy Prophet ﷺ, who was the most truthful and trustworthy, was worried about the possessions he had been entrusted with by the people of Mecca. And owing to this responsibility, he said to join him after he had returned the possessions. I.e. he told Hazrat Ali to come to Medina once he had returned the possessions. Hazrat Ali remained in Mecca for three days and gave the possessions that had been entrusted to the Holy Prophet ﷺ back to their owners. When he completed this task, he joined the Holy Prophet ﷺ when he was in Quba.
After this, the Holy Prophet stepped out of his house where the elect brave individuals had gathered with their bloodthirsty intentions. With their swords in their hands, they kept watch over the Holy Prophet's house, waiting for nightfall when they would launch a sudden attack and finish him off with one strike. Abu Jahl, who was their ringleader, was saying in an arrogant and mocking way, Muhammad says that if you follow him, they will become the kings of the Arabs and non-Arabs alike. Also that you will be raised up after your death and that you will receive gardens like that of Jordan. And if you do not do this, then there will be bloodshed amongst you. The Holy Prophet came outside and said, Indeed, this is what I say, and recited the following verses of Surah Yasin. Yasin, Wal-Qur'an al-Hakim, Innaka lamin al-Mursaleen, Ala siratim mustaqim. تنزيل العزيز الرحيم لتنذر قوما ما أنذر آباؤهم فهم غافلون لقد حق القول على أكثرهم فهم لا يؤمنون إن جعلنا في أعناقهم أغلالا فهي إلى الأذقان فهم مقمحون وجعلنا من بين أيديهم سدا ومن خلفهم سدا فأغشيناهم the translation is Yasin, O leader, by the Quran, full of wisdom, thou art indeed one of the messengers on a right path. This is a revelation of the mighty, the merciful, that thou mayest warn a people whose fathers were not warned, and so they are heedless. Surely, the word has proved true against most of them, for they believe not. We have put round their necks collars, reaching unto their chins, so that their heads are forced up. And we have set a barrier before them and a barrier behind them, and have covered them over, so that they cannot see. The Holy Prophet ﷺ left in the midst of them, and they were utterly helpless. It was the power of Allah the Almighty that not a single person saw him leave. In fact, they would constantly peer inside and become content that Muhammad was sleeping on his bed. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib has mentioned this incident in Sirat Khatman Nabiyin as follows. In the darkness of the night, the cruel Quraysh from various tribes had besieged the home of the Holy Prophet with their bloodthirsty intentions. They were waiting for dawn or for the Holy Prophet ﷺ to come out of his home so as to launch a sudden assault and assassinate him. Various trusts belonging to the infidels were still with the Holy Prophet ﷺ, for despite their extreme enmity, many people would often entrust their belongings to the Holy Prophet on account of his truthfulness and trustworthiness. Therefore, the Holy Prophet explained the accounts of these trusts to Hazrat Ali and instructed him not to leave Makkah until these trusts were returned. Then he instructed, You lie on my bed, and assured him that no harm would come to him. He lied down, and the Holy Prophet covered him with his red-coloured mantle. After this, the Holy Prophet invoked the name of Allah and left his home. At that time, the besiegers were present in front of the Holy Prophet's door. However, 
Since they did not anticipate that the Holy Prophet would leave his home so early in the night, at that time they were in such a state of unawareness that the Holy Prophet left right through their midst, leaving them in their ignorance, and they had not a clue. On the other hand, the Quraysh who had besieged the home of the Holy Prophet would peer through after short intervals, and upon seeing Hazrat Ali, who was in fact lying in the place of the Holy Prophet, they would find comfort. But the next morning they found out that their prey had slipped their hands. Upon this, they frantically ran here and there, searched the streets of Makkah, looking in the homes of the companions, but nothing was to be found. In their rage, they took hold of Hazrat Ali and beat him somewhat. Regarding this incident, the Promised Messiah Islam states, When owing to the unforeseen circumstances, the Holy Prophet had to leave his hometown and the opponents had surrounded his blessed house with the intention of killing him, a dear relative who was imbued with love and faith in the Prophet and on the orders of the Holy Prophet lay down on his bed without any fear of death. He hid his face so as not to arouse the suspicion of the enemy's spies which would hint that the Holy Prophet had left. They remained content, waiting for the opportunity to kill him. Kas bahre kase sar na dihad jana fishanad Ishq ast ke inkar basad sidq kunanad Meaning, no one willingly sacrifices their life for another. It is only true love that can make a man do this happily and willingly. The Prophet ﷺ further says, The Holy Prophet ﷺ left his home at some point in the night. In fact, this was not by the Promised Messiah ﷺ. There are different narrations about what time he left and they vary. Some narrations state that the Holy Prophet left in the beginning part of the night whereas others state that he left in the middle of the night and some state that he left in the latter part of the night. Nonetheless, I will present the different narrations about what time the Holy Prophet left the house. According to one narration, the Holy Prophet left his house in the last third of the night. Regarding this, Muhammad Hussain Haikal writes, Owing to the heedlessness of the idolaters, Prophet Muhammad left in the last third of the night and made his way towards the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr. From there, both of them left from the back door of his house and travelled south towards Cave Thor. In another narration, it is mentioned that he left in the middle of the night. In Dalailun Nabuwa, it is written that the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abu Bakr left for Cave Thor in the middle of the night. In Madarajun Nabuwa, it is mentioned when the Holy Prophet decided that he would migrate the next day. In that evening, he said to Hazrat Ali Murtaza, May Allah honor him, Sleep in my bed tonight, so that the idolaters do not get suspicious and learn about the plan. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmed Sahib anhu, has written that the Holy Prophet left in the early part of the night. Regarding this, he states, at that time, the besiegers were present in front of the Holy Prophet's door. However, since they did not anticipate that the Holy Prophet would leave his home so early in the night, at that time, they were in such a state of unawareness that the Holy Prophet left right through their midst, leaving them in their ignorance, and they had not a clue. Now the Holy Prophet was silently but quickly passing through the streets of Makkah, and it was not long before he reached the outskirts of the town and started towards the cave of Thor. The entire matter had been pre-settled with Hazrat Abu Bakr, 
who also met the Holy Prophet en route. The narration Hazrat Muslim has mentioned is when the people of Makkah were gathering outside the house of the Holy Prophet in order to kill him, the Holy Prophet was leaving in the darkness of the night with the intention to migrate from there. The people of Makkah most certainly would have suspected that the news of their plan had reached the Holy Prophet. But despite that, when the Holy Prophet left in front of them, they thought it was someone else. Hence, instead of attacking the Holy Prophet, they began to hide, so that their plans would not be revealed to the Holy Prophet. Prior to this night, Abu Bakr had also been informed about migrating with the Holy Prophet, and so he also met with the Holy Prophet, and after a short while, they departed from Makkah. According to the Promised Messiah, the Holy Prophet left his home in the morning, the Promised Messiah states, None of the opponents saw the Holy Prophet when he left, even though it was morning, and all of the opponents were stood surrounding the house of the Holy Prophet. Just as God Almighty states in Surah Yasin that a covering was placed over their eyes of the unfortunate people, and the Holy Prophet left them in a state of utter humiliation. In any case, there are various narrations, but they all state that the disbelievers had no knowledge. There are also various narrations with regards to which direction the Holy Prophet went when he left his home. From one of the narrations, it seems that the Holy Prophet and Hazrat Abu Bakr left their homes respectively and met at one place and then headed towards the cave of Thor. In another narration, it states that the Holy Prophet left his house and headed towards the cave of Thor. After a short while, Hazrat Abu Bakr came to the Holy Prophet's house and Hazrat Ali informed him that the Holy Prophet had already left and that he should go behind him. And so Hazrat Abu Bakr followed after him. This narration seems very weak. It seems from this that the Holy Prophet ﷺ waited for Hazrat Abu Bakr and he got late. And furthermore, that Hazrat Abu Bakr had no knowledge of where the Holy Prophet went and Hazrat Ali had to tell him. It is not possible at all that such an important and confidential event as the migration took place and Hazrat Abu Bakr, who was extremely wise and responsible, would show such carelessness. Thus, in comparison to this, the other narration which is more commonly found in literature seems to be more correct and accurate. According to this narration, the Holy Prophet left his house and went straight to the house of Hazrat Abu Bakr from there, the Holy Prophet, along with Hazrat Abu Bakr, went to the cave of Thor. On this occasion, the two loyal and courageous daughters of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Aisha and Hazrat Asma, quickly prepared some food for the journey, which included the meat of a roasted goat. Owing to the sensitivity of the situation and shortage of time, they could not find anything to tie the food vessel made from leather. And so Hazrat Asma took her girdle and cut it into two pieces and tied the food. She tied one piece to the food vessel and the other to the water vessel. The Holy Prophet was carefully observing this and stated, O Asma, in exchange of this girdle, may Allah grant you two girdles in paradise. In other words, the girdle she had tied over her garment on her back. Owing to this saying of the Holy Prophet 
Hazrat Asma was later known as Dhatun Nitaqain. During the journey, the Holy Prophet was continuously reciting the following verse. Meaning, and say, O my Lord, make my entry a good entry, and make me go forth a good going forth, and grant me from thyself a helping power. Similarly, the following prayer is also mentioned. Alhamdulillah alladhi khalaqani wa lam akun shay'a Allahumma a'inni ala hawlid dunya wa bawa'iqid dahar wa masa'ibil layali wal ayyam Allahumma ashabni fi safari wa akhlufni fi ahli wa barik li fima razaqtani wa laka fadhallilni wa ala salihi Khulukin أي حل به غضبك أو ينزل علي سخطك أعوذ بك من زوال نعمتك وتحول عاقبتك وجميع سخطك لك الأقبى خير ما استطعت ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بك meaning all praise is due to Allah who created me when I was nothing O Allah, grant me help from the fears of this world and the afflictions of this era and the trials of the day and night. O Allah, become my companion in this journey and the guardian of my family. Bestow blessings in that which you have granted me and enable me to show servitude to you. Enable me to remain steadfast in this excellent state of creation and to become the beloved of my Lord and do not let the people get to me. You are the Lord of the weak ones, and you are also my Lord. I seek refuge in your noble countenance, through which the heavens and the earth have become illumined, and the darkness has vanished, and through which the affairs of those who came before and after have rectified, I seek refuge from incurring your wrath and displeasure. I seek refuge in you from your rewards diminishing, from your sudden retribution and from any change in your final decree about me. In Sharah Zarqani, instead of I seek refuge from any change in your final decree about me, the following words have appeared. That I seek refuge from your protection to be taken away from me and from your displeasure and I seek your pleasure in every good that I do. There is no means to escape sin, and nor is there any might except through you. Whilst departing from behind the Kaaba, the Holy Prophet turned his blessed countenance towards Makkah and addressed the city 
with the following words, O Makkah, by God, from all of Allah's lands, you indeed are the dearest to me and most beloved to Allah as well. And if your people did not force me out, I would never have left. Imam Behiki writes that during the journey to Cave Thor, sometimes Hazrat Abu Bakr would ride in front of the Holy Prophet, sometimes behind him, sometimes to his right and sometimes to his left. The Holy Prophet asked him the reason to which he replied, O Messenger of Allah, when I feel like someone may be approaching from the front, I ride in front of you. And when I fear that someone may attack from behind, I move behind you. And sometimes I move to your right and sometimes to your left, so that you remain protected from all sides. According to one narration, as the Holy Prophet walked upon the mountainous terrains towards the Khayf Thor, his feet became injured. According to another narration, his foot hit a rock along the way, causing it to become wounded. When they reached Cave Thor, Hazrat Abu Bakr requested the Holy Prophet to wait outside while he went inside and cleaned the cave thoroughly. And if there were anything dangerous inside, he would be the one to counter it. Thus he went inside and cleaned the cave and he blocked any holes and crevices with his own clothes. Then he invited the Holy Prophet inside. It is stated that the Holy Prophet ﷺ lay down and placed his head on Hazrat Abu Bakr's leg. There was one hole which Hazrat Abu Bakr either did not have enough cloth to block it or had not seen it, and so he covered it with his foot. It is recorded that either a scorpion or snake kept biting him through the hole, but out of fear of disturbing the Holy Prophet by moving, Hazrat Abu Bakr remained still. When the Holy Prophet awoke, he noticed that the colour of Hazrat Abu Bakr's face had changed and asked what was wrong. Hazrat Abu Bakr explained what had happened, upon which the Holy Prophet applied his blessed saliva on his foot and it healed as if nothing had ever happened. Meanwhile, the Quraysh in Makkah had been waiting outside of the Holy Prophet's home. A person passed by and asked why they were standing there. When they told him, the man informed them that he had seen Muhammad walking through the streets. They mocked the man and said that they had been keeping watch and that he was inside sleeping in his bed. As the night passed, they stormed in according to their plan, but when they pulled the blanket off, they realized that the person sleeping was actually Hazrat Ali. They asked him where Muhammad was, to which he replied that he did not know. When they heard this, the disbelievers scolded and beat Hazrat Ali. And after holding him captive for some time, they let him go. According to this narration, after scolding and beating Hazrat Ali, they left in a state of great anger and began searching the streets and homes of Makkah for the Holy Prophet they also went to Hazrat Abu Bakr's home, where they met Hazrat Asma. Abu Jahl stepped forward and asked where her father Abu Bakr was. She replied that she did not know where he was. Upon this, the evil-natured Abu Jahl raised his hand and slapped her across the face so hard that her earring broke and fell. In their state of rage, they all left, and after scouring Makkah to no avail, they deployed expert trackers to every corner of Makkah. One of the chiefs of Makkah, Umayyah bin Khalaf, took an expert tracker with him and set out 
along with his counterparts. There is no doubt that this tracker was exceptionally skilled. In fact, he cannot be complimented enough, for he was the only tracker who was able to trace the Holy Prophet's footprints to Cave Thor. And once there, he said that Muhammad's footprints stopped there and did not go any further. Allama Baladuri has stated that the tracker's name was Al-Qama bin Qurs and writes that he accepted Islam during the conquest of Makkah. They were standing and talking by the mouth of the cave and not only were the two migrants hidden inside the very same cave, they could hear what the people outside were saying. In fact, Hazrat Abu Bakr states, I could see their feet and by God, if even one of them were to look inside, we would have been caught. However, in this time of danger and hardship, those two were not alone. Rather, God was the third among them who has control over the earth and the heavens and power over all things. Before those people arrived, he caused a tree to grow through his miraculous power. He sent a spider which spun a web at the mouth of the cave and he sent a pair of birds who made a nest and laid eggs. This is all recorded in the narration. God willing, in the future, I will mention how God Almighty reassured the Holy Prophet or how through the commandment of Allah the Almighty, the Holy Prophet comforted Hazrat Abu Bakr after seeing all of this unfold. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Nahmadu, Anastainu, Anastaghfiru, Anaminu, Anatabakalu, Anaminu, Umayyadilla <laughs> وَيَنْهَى عَنِ الْفَحْشَاءِ وَالْمُنْكَرِ وَالْبَغْيِ يَعِظُكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ اذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ يَذْكُرْكُمْ وَادْعُوهُ يَسْتَجِبْ لَكُمْ وَلَذِكْرُ اللَّهِ أَكْبَرُ